Welcome, I'm Rick Dancer, and this is Get Real with Rick Dancer, sponsored by our friends at Bucks Sanitary Service. Uh, when you gotta go, a Bucks is good to know. <laughs> it's not even their tagline, and I just came up with that. I know, it's pretty amazing, the things I come up with. When it's toilet talk, I am one of the best. I understand it a lot. Um, but anyway, that Scott and Lisa do so much in this community, and um, they don't always agree with my content, but they always agree that people should be talking and we should be having conversation. Um, and I really appreciate that about them. And they also provide housing um, or, or sanitary services and all kinds. Of, I was at a homeless camp in Eugene Monday. Was it Monday? Well, it was sometime last week or this week. I lose track of where I am. I think it was last week, Thursday last week uh, with Pastor Gabe. We got all done. Bucks was sponsoring the show. We got all finished. And I turned around and I go, oh, Bucks is the one who sponsored, who uh, supplied your outhouse here. And that always gives me a warm fuzzy to know that we're on the same wavelength um, in what we do and how we do things. So he's sponsoring the show tonight. And what we're going to do is talk to, uh, well, Alan Thayer is an attorney in town, but he also works really closely with the state and on policy issues and he's in the know on this kind of stuff and he and i were talking the other day and he says he's going to be offering some services for people for a lot of you who are super concerned i can't even tell you how how um i don't want to say heartbroken that's that's too dramatic but it makes me really sad to see all the emails that come to me from people out there who are so worried about uh, the 18th of october losing your jobs uh, because of these mandates on vaccines and you're, you're thinking you're going to get fired, you're going to lose your job, and you don't know how to do these exemptions. Well, Alan's come up with a plan and some ideas. I'm going to bring him in. Hey, Alan there. How you doing? Hey, Rick. Great to see you again. Well, I am happy to have you on here, and we're already getting questions. People coming in. They're, thank you, Rick, for doing this. You are welcome. Thank Alan. He's the one who came up with this. So, so Alan, first, what do we know to date? I mean, everybody's saying, I got some emails today, people saying, I think Governor Brown's going to come out tomorrow and talk about what OSHA's doing and what, what's going to happen. And, um, and you know, we never know when the, when Her Highness will come out of the, uh, the her chamber and tell us what we're going to do. But what are you hearing and what do you know? Well, first of all, you said I work with the state. I, I actually work on behalf of businesses and probably conservative Oregonians trying to influence both legislative policy and policy through the uh, governor's office and administrative agencies. Um, I would be very, very surprised if the governor were to make a, an announcement about OSHA tomorrow. The, the federal OSHA orders have not been issued yet, at least as the last time I looked earlier today. And once those orders are issued, then I suspect the people at at Oregon OSHA will take a look at those orders and see what it what it means for Oregon and what how OSHA is Oregon OSHA is going to respond. Because OSHA and, and the federal government OSHA, which Biden would be, and Oregon's OSHA, there's an arrangement between the two of them. There is. And I don't I don't totally understand it, but as it was represented to me, is that Oregon OSHA is the exclusive safety uh, workplace or workplace safety monitor and that um, if the feds issue a rule then Oregon either has to accept that rule or have their own rule which is more effective than the federal rule. So if they say if, if Oregon thinks that something it's doing is more effective than what the government is the federal government's asking they can go with what they are doing as long as they pr prove that, I guess. Yeah, and, and so when you're talking about traditional workplace safety requirements, it's pretty easy It's pretty easy to compare the two and says, well, wait a minute, Oregon is stricter than the feds. So the feds have a threshold of uh, 40 pounds and Oregon has a threshold of 25 pounds. Uh, the Oregon rule, rule controls over the feds. Okay. Everything that's going on now is different and trying to use workplace rules as a way of controlling the, uh, the public um, is very, very new. 
and very distasteful, quite frankly. But that's how that's how they're getting stuff through that they don't otherwise have authority to issue. I feel like this is kind of blowing up in their face, too. And maybe they bit off more than they can chew, because I was listening to a report on KPNW with Bill London this morning where the county commissioners in Coos County are having a little problem because I guess we didn't think this through at the state level when they came out with what they wanted to do. And um, if these if this rule um, that uh, the 18th and all employees have to be mandated at the jail in Coos County, as I was understanding on the radio this morning, that they um, they have like 90 some employees, but 17 people say they will not get the vaccine. They, they will leave. They will not get the vaccine because they do medical treatment at the at the jail. That's considered a medical facility. So they would have to cut it back from 90 some inmates down to 28 um, with that amount of people. So it's and, and so they're they're going, you need to come up with a better idea for us. And but it's happening down in any Crook County said the same thing. The sheriff in Crook County was talking about some of the same things that's going to happen. So tell me, you have been really looking into this, the exemptions, the accommodations, and you have some you have some good information for people as to how to fill those forms out. I have but tell them about first this website. What does this get them to? So what we're working on is an is an online web application where people can go in, um, enter information about themselves, um, answer questions about their religious beliefs, and create customized uh, religious accommodation requests uh, on their own that they can submit to their employer or to the to the state or or whoever whoever is uh, saying you have to receive the vaccine. And we've been looking at this for a while now. I have actually represented some employers who are healthcare providers. Uh, their employees sent in religious accommodation requests. Uh, the employees didn't really get it right. And or there are some traps that uh, the Oregon Health Authority uh, is using, I believe, in my opinion. Um, and a couple of uh, my clients have decided that they don't really want to be in between their employees and the Oregon Health Authority. So we have helped those employees fill out the forms in a way that's more likely to be approved. And then since then, and they deserve a lot of credit, but the uh, Lane Firefighters, Lane County Firefighters uh, Union has uh, asked me to help their members who want to, pro who want to request uh, religious accommodations um, and not receive the vaccine. And it's, it's been my privilege to uh, work with these people and I've met some great folks and they're from all over the county and they're from differing, uh, uh, differing religious beliefs and we've learned a lot at, by virtue of doing this. And uh, quite frankly, we're doing some things that as far as I can tell, no one else in the United States is doing. The important thing to remember here is when you're asking for an accommodation, you're directing it towards your employer, but your employer isn't the one you need to convince. In many instances, it's the Oregon Health Authority. So if you are a healthcare worker, if you are a firefighter, they're healthcare workers. If uh, a dentist, dental hygienist, uh, if you are a school employee, if you uh, work for the state government, um, you need to file these exemption, these uh, accommodation requests uh, if you do not want to receive the vaccine and you would like to keep your job. So you file it not to your employer, you file it to OSHA. No, you give it to your employers and the employers are required to maintain it. But at some point, uh, the Oregon Health Authority may, and it's the Oregon Health Authority for this, not, not OSHA. Uh, but at some point, the Oregon Health Authority say, okay, let's see, um, let's see. And OSHA, or uh, excuse me, the Oregon Health Authority uses different terminology than I'm using. Uh, but they say, okay, let's see your forms. And then they could uh, say, well, no, this person doesn't qualify. Therefore, uh, you need to let them go. 
So you've got to remember who the audience is. And the audience, I, I consider it's addressed to the employer, but the audience is twofold. One, the audience is Oregon Health Authority. And then two, in the event of a lawsuit, the uh, audience is the court. So Lisa asks, okay, the release exempt will be approved, but then you're placed on unpaid leave. How does this work? Well, first of all, let's, uh, let's change the terminology here a little bit. A lot of people have been talking about exemptions. Um, the Oregon Health Authority is trying to get people to use the word exceptions, and that's what the Oregon Health Authority uses in their forms. Um, and But what I do is we tie it to religious accommodation under Title VII of the uh, Civil Rights Act of 1964. So under the governor's emergency health powers, there are people who believe that the governor and uh, executive agencies can rewrite Oregon law. Uh, that may or may not be true. There is a lawsuit that was recently filed that raises that very question, but they certainly don't have the power to rewrite federal law. And that's, that's why we use religious accommodation. If they say, fine, we're gonna accommodate you and put you on unpaid leave, that's not an accommodation. And, and what uh, employees should do is push back against their employer and say, well, no, wait a minute. Uh, that's not an accommodation. You have a duty to accommodate me. Now, as it's been explained to me, OHA is trying to use the word exception. You don't fall under an exception, therefore you're on unpaid leave. No, that is the wrong game to be playing. You need to tie it to uh, a Title VII under federal law and then demand a, a uh, an accommodation. So that's is that so people should be instead of using exemption or exception, they should be using accommodation. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And does that form that website that you gave me that is that I somebody said it's not linking up. I'm going to have to do it again. But does that does that if they put their name in there, is that getting them this information that they can have? Well, we've we've created a, a content, the content and it needs to be fairly flexible. So we've created the content and we're involved in the programming right now. So uh, the the link that I, that I gave you is a link to a form to receive more information when it's uh, when it's available. And hopefully we'll have it available no later than uh, sometime next week. Uh, okay. Shooting to, to get it up this week, though. I am. So it's not there yet. Uh, the the link you have is to a form where people can put in their name and, and uh, email address and we will let them know when it's available. Okay, so I am gonna put this back in here. And so this is the email address, guys, um, that you can go to. Okay, so let me get back up here because we've got lots and lots of questions. I'm just gonna let you answer some questions here. Okay. Um, how can they, oh, that's, I already read yours. I'm sorry, yours was good, but I just want to get to actual questions. My employer is refusing to accept exemptions. Uh, that, what you then do is make a request for a religious accommodation under Title VII of the Civil Rights Act. And what about medical exemption, Matt McCarl asks. So, and I have talked to some people, uh, OHA, if you're subject to um, one of the employers that are covered by OHA right now, uh, there is an OHA form for, uh, and they say medical exemption. Uh, don't use that. Use uh, ADA accommodation, Americans with Disabilities Act accommodation. Um, do not use exemption. Certainly, uh, do not use exception. Um, but one of the requirements with that is a is a letter from your doctor. So if you're a person who has known cardiopulmonary issues or heart issues, or, or I've talked to people who have received one or both doses of one of the COVID vaccines and uh, have had severe reactions, um, get the doctors to confirm that and, and request an ADA accommodation. So Abby, what I hope, I knew you wrote this earlier. So accommodation under Title VII 
of the Civil Rights Act. That's what you go for. You don't use exemption or exception. Don't use either one of those. How can this even be a constitutional? Good question. Well, Good question. And in fact, these days very constitutional. In the documents that uh, that we've been preparing, uh, we actually uh, refer back to both the, the United States Constitution, which was the Second Amendment, and uh, Article 7, I believe, and I might be wrong, of the Oregon Constitution. And then there's, there's also uh, both state and federal statutes, and it's good to refer to those and not play Oregon Health Authority's game, but rely on what the actual standards are under federal law. What about non-discrimination laws? If I'm filling out an ex accommodation and I'm hired or fired, how is that not discrimination? Well, it could very well be. There, there's a fact question there. Is that the reason you weren't hired or was it some other reason? But uh, if you can prove it, that's discrimination. So if someone wants a religious exemption for this vaccine, then they have to also request exemptions from other vaccines consistently. You can't cherry pick a religious exemption, can you? Uh, absolutely not true. And you're not cherry picking because these vaccines aren't like other vaccines. As you and many of your, your viewers know, uh, traditional vaccine invented by Dr. Jonas Salk, Salk 100 years ago, they take a fragment of a dead virus and create a vaccine out of that so that the body develops uh, natural antibodies. What these COVID-19 vaccines do, at least the three that are available, is they instead send instructions to cells to manufacture a spike protein. Well, that spike protein is not natural to the human body. And that is the reason for one of the religious exceptions. Um, um, uh, and I call it uh, unnatural genetic coding instructions. That's very different from other vaccines. So yes, you can agree. Um, I, I have received a shingles vaccine, two of them. Um, I have received uh, uh, flu vaccines. And I, I, but those are used very, very differently are created very differently. And, and that's one of the very important religious exemptions. What you have on this question uh, over here, we were talking about aborted fetal tissue and therapeutic. Proportionality. That's a huge word. I looked at that and I was going, I'm not even gonna guess at that. Well, I so, am a lawyer, Rick, you know, we, know. we gotta yeah. drop a big word every once in a while. So what are the, how do those fit into this conversation? So different or different people of faith have different religious beliefs. And for some abortion is an issue for others, maybe less so. So the three COVID vaccines were either tested or are produced using stem cells or from cell lines that were uh, derived from aborted fetal tissue. And so the proximity to abortion, the proximity to evil in their mind um, is a moral reason not to receive these vaccines. Seriously. So, so these viruses that the testing was done on, on stem cell re research. And so that's an aborted fetus. So if somebody has an issue with abortion, they can use that as a religious uh, accommodation. Oh, for, and for those who that is a sincerely held religious belief, I believe it's a very uh, powerful uh, powerful uh, argument on their behalf. Wow. I don't think people, I didn't know that. Um, here's how in the holy hell is this whole thing allowed? Don't we have two constitutions that protect us from the tyrannical behavior? Jeez. Yep. What do you do if your employer said to wait to file until they tell you? How long do you have to, to so you can respond? Uh, what I would do is I would get that confirmed in writing. And here's an easy way to do it. Good uh, idea. Uh, what you do is uh, you just send an email. Hey, thanks for letting me know not to send this in yet. Please let me know and I, uh, I will get it to you. And so if they don't respond and say, hey, wait a minute, you have it wrong, you need to get it in now. Uh, if they don't, 
if they don't say that, now you have written proof of what they said and they didn't object to it. So keep that email and date it. Write the date on it so you know when it was sent and what happened. And then any notes that you need. My dad was a, a negotiator for the OEA and he used to always tell me this. And then write on that paper because you'll forget and write what you what was going on so you have it on that paper. So when you put it before a court, you've got that answer there. You're, I, Alan, I, this is fun. This is good stuff. Can we get these sites in a comment? I put, she's get, uh, the, it's up here. This is your site. It'll be in a comment so you guys can go back later. Again, the site is not up. Um, well, it'll give you a piece of paper. It'll give you a thing to fill out and then they'll tell you when the information's available. Is that right, Alan? That's right. That's right. Um, yep. It gets to, you lose your job. They are telling people they won't be eligible for unemployment too. Yeah. What the hell is that all about? I heard that that's um, like, if, if you're, um, if, if, if you lose your job because of that, you will not get unemployment. Yeah, I've heard that too. Um, so far there has, as far as I'm aware, there has not been a rule issued by the employment department to that effect. What I suspect is going to happen is uh, they're going to wait to see requests come in. And if an employer denies, denies uh, they're liable for unemployment for this reason, then they, the employment department will rule on it. That's what I expect to have happen. I, I can't say for sure that's what will happen. Um, but if you make a request for a religious accommodation under federal law, then you can make the argument with the employment department that it's religious discrimination. And you can make the argument that the state of Oregon is participating in religious discrimination. That's why it's so important not to use the state's exception language. Okay. So Candace is saying, I got on this late. Should I pursue getting my work to allow me to work with accommodations like wearing N95 and frequent testing? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I might as well stick an arrow on my back. Why don't people get the V file and accommodation? I really don't appreciate being openly segregated. Yeah, it, it's and it's funny that when you use the segregation word on this topic, what's so funny is people come after you and they go, this isn't racial. And I said, look up the word segregation. It means when you separate people, vaccinated, unvaccinated. If people paid more attention to the meaning of words in our culture today, life would be so much easier because words have meaning and people have told me literally, it doesn't matter. <laughs> and I'm going, well, it does to me. Rick Dancer is the man. Oh, I didn't want to put that up, but thank you, Andrew. I appreciate that. So um, one, of the, one of the things I do in that regard um, in our accommodation request is that we also request confidentiality. And so you ask that your request, that the request for accommodation be uh, kept confidential. You request that your vaccination status be kept confidential. And you request that the employee, the, your employer not treat you differently in a way such that uh, your vaccination status can be inferred by other employees. I do know that there is a problem with harassment, uh, vaccinated employees harassing unvaccinated employees. And um, uh, we're, we're actually trying to address this in this uh, request. You know what I think is interesting, Alan, is I, I think if somebody wrote, Maria wrote this on here, basically, I'm going to just kind of rob her language here a little bit. But, you know, this is going to come back to bite them in the ass, because if you're laying off all these people and I mean, we can't get enough people to work right now as it is. And what are you going to do? Um, the economy is going to implode. And how, you know, I, I at some point it's going to all come back and hit them in the face if they're not caring. If they're not. Well, here, here's a very real example that I learned uh, today from a uh, video uh, meeting I participated in. Uh, the wildland firefighters, uh, the Oregon Department of Forestry is concerned is that they're going to lose a very high percentage of the wildland firefighters if they have to be vaccinated. They're just gonna drop their uh, their shovels and uh, their hoses and and walk off and go to another state. So Susan, um, again, we're not using the exemption word or exception, we're using accommodation. 
because um, they that that's going to get you more. And go if you didn't catch that part, go back and watch the beginning part because that's where people are getting kind of messed up. We're well, using let's, let's let's address that for just a moment though. Let's say they deny a request for accommodation. Then then what do you do? And I would suggest that you start with a letter from a lawyer to the employer and setting out what their uh, requirements are. The legally on a request for accommodation, it's very, it's a little different than a request for accommodation under the Americans with Disabilities Act. Um, there, there's two components. One is there has to be a sincerely held religious belief. And anyone who argues that uh, an employee's statement, statement of belief, that that's not a sincerely held religious belief, that's a losing argument for the employer. The second, the second requirement is, is that an accommodation must not create a hardship on the employer. Um, and they're trying to rely on that. But here's the problem with that employer's argument. We've had a year and a half now of uh, protocols with, with COVID and there hasn't been a healthcare transmission in the United States. It's zero. Uh, so how can they say allowing an unvaccinated employee in the workplace is going to create a uh, undue hardship upon the employer? It's not. Right. And if the employer says no, here's what you do. Talk to an employer or talk to an attorney, get an attorney to write a letter. And a lot of attorneys are in favor of this. And a lot of attorneys have been giving some very wrong advice, legal advice uh, to local media. They, they're looking at the wrong statutes is what they're doing. Uh, but have a lawyer write a letter, file unemployment, and then go to the Bureau of Labor and Industries and file a civil rights complaint against the employer. And listen, I represent employers. I'm not in the business. I, I never, I, this is the first time I've ever recommended that anyone file a claim against their employer. I can assure you of that. But go to the Bureau of Labor and Industries and file a claim for religious discrimination. And if you want, I can coach you on what to tell the people at Bully. They may not want to take it. Uh, they might they might push back a little bit, but you have to be prepared to uh, to stand up and say, no, I want you to to file this. What if you're opposed to abortion and you and you don't want the COVID vaccine, but you've had other vaccines that may have had fetal cell lines in them? Great question. And, and this this question not only or the answer will apply not only to this situation, but a number of other situations. Um, so employers don't know much about the law in this area, at least HR or who's ever going to be reviewing this. And so in the accommodation request I prepare, we do put in a couple of paragraphs of the federal law by quoting the, uh, the U.S. Equal Employment Opportunity Commission. And they say, a religious practice may be sincerely held by an individual, even if newly adopted. I got to tell you, I've talked to a number of people who have found religion lately, who uh, never were religious before, but they have these uh, beliefs. So newly adopted, doesn't make any difference. Not consistently observed. That would be the situation here. Or different from the commonly followed tenets of the individual's religion. It doesn't make any difference, and that's according to the EEOC. What is the legal difference between exception versus exemption? I don't know. The state of Oregon has a difference that they're prepared to argue, but until a federal court recognizes that, um, no one knows. But the state, the state thinks it means something for them, and I've heard uh, because some People uh, use the exception language. Uh, their employers were able to say, nope, we're going to let you go. Um, whatever the, the difference is, don't use either word. Use accommodation. So Garrett says, there's no stem cells from aborted fetus in the COVID-19 vaccination. Good I think question. what Alan, huh? I said, that's a good question. So the, the fetal cell lines for the 
Moderna and the Pfizer vaccine were used during the testing of those vaccines. For the Johnson & Johnson vaccine, uh, fetal cell lines are used uh, in the production of the vaccine. So in the two, it's, you're not saying it's in the vaccine, but it was used in the process to come up with a vaccine, whereas where someone who's anti-abortion could then say, that's I, I don't agree with a vaccine that's been made that way. You're not saying the fetal cells are in there. Correct. Correct. Are they in the, are they in the Moderna, the, the last one, or the Johnson & Johnson? I don't know enough to answer that question, but Johnson & Johnson has publicly admitted they are used in the production of their vaccine. Huh. Okay, good to know. How do you feel about revoking our citizenship to take us out of the corporate construct? Would this be a color of law jurisdiction and they're using a fraudulent conveyance of language? These, uh, these arguments have been used in a number of different contexts in the, in the past and they typically are not recognized by the courts. Now you could say the courts are part of the construct, but the courts have the, the police power. So I, I wouldn't hang my hat on that. I'm trying to go down and just find questions because there's so many people on here. Um, and so if you think of something, Alan, you want to talk about, you go ahead. I'm just trying to get, make sure that I've got questions. Well, I think it's kind of interesting uh, who you pick for your sponsor for this uh, segment, because uh, a lot of people think that these uh, vaccination requirements are full of, uh, well, full of something. <laughs> and Garrett just answered. He's a friend of mine. Thank you for explaining. Garrett, well, you thanks for asking the question. It was a great question. Yeah, I thought so too. I think, but I am of the belief and I think you are too. There is no such thing as a bad question. And people, we, despite what people are out and the, the bullies and the trolls, we have to be asking more questions and don't make weird statements that say, you know, well, I heard that Moses is coming back. And I mean, all that just takes everybody on the wrong thing. Ask factual questions or questions you don't know the answers to and stay on it. We don't have to back up. We need to keep pushing forward and not being unkind and mean, but just being forthright with our questions. That's, that's, that's what America is. We're about people that ask questions. Um, we haven't gotten to therapeutic proportionality, if you would, oh, uh, you if know, you would I, like to do that, because you did ask. You know, just yesterday I was saying, you know, honey, is my therapeutic proportionality, does, does it look good in this, in this uh, jeans right now? Go ahead, answer the questions. So this is an argument that I'm not sure, not sure you're really going to find anywhere else. And it was, uh, it was what I learned when I was helping people of faith uh, draft uh, advanced directives for end of life care that didn't follow the Oregon form, but were instead consistent with their faith. The Oregon form does not recognize people's religious beliefs when it comes to advanced directives, but it is something called therapeutic proportionality, that you have a moral obligation to receive a medical intervention when the benefits of that intervention, um, um, either um, curing disease or sustaining life, when the, the benefits outweigh the burdens of that intervention. So at end of life, it could be, uh, uh, do you have to be on a respirator? Well, for a respirator, that is a tremendous burden on, on a body. So is it going to heal people? Will they heal while they're on a ventilator, such as someone who has pneumonia? Or is it someone who, if you put them on a ventilator, the moment of their death may be postponed a short period of time. Under therapeutic proportionality, um, you don't have to, under some circumstances you do uh, receive life support and in other circumstances you don't. It's not a one size fits all answer. So here, as it applies to uh, COVID vaccines, you, the person receiving the medical intervention, get to decide uh, what you perceive the benefits to be versus what you perceive the burdens to be. So some people will tell you that the vaccine is the only way to save, save the world, only way to save Oregon, only way to save the United States. Other people are gonna go, well now, wait a minute, I'm not so sure. If the vaccine worked, 
why are fully vaccinated people getting COVID? Again. Uh, so, so you can develop your own judgment on what the benefits are, and you can decide for yourself your own judgment of what the burdens are, uh, the risk of side effects, uh, the fact that we really can't talk about adverse consequences to receiving the, uh, the vaccine, um, even your own psychological well-being. I am so concerned about this that if I were receiving it, um, I would be terribly depressed and it could affect my life in certain ways. And so Kate Brown could go through this analysis and say, yes, I want the vaccine. Rick Dancer could go, well, let's not pick on you, Rick. Alan Thayer could go through this analysis and say, I come to a different conclusion. And um, under this, this uh, sincerely held religious belief, my conclusion is just as valid as Kate Brown's conclusion. So, Jill, wait. I love your name, Jill, first of all, because have your whole life those people been like, Jill, wait. And then you, you know, have to wait for this. What about wearing masks? Can this be argued against? Um, when representing businesses, like I normally do, I have, uh, we have had a couple of people who've claimed uh, religious exemptions from wearing masks. Uh, there is a uh, online template you can buy uh, that's pretty well known. And I got to tell you, it's terrible. And you read it and it's really easy for the employer to deny that request. Um, it's a tough lift to, uh, to say under under any of these these common religious exceptions that wearing masks are somehow uh, prohibited by your sincerely held religious beliefs. But if they are, then you need to document that really carefully and don't spend a 39, don't, don't buy a $39 form, one size fits all that comes from Arizona or wherever this guy is located. So Jason is, <laughs> I'm surprised he didn't put the F word in because he usually uses that in everything. But I'm ordained. Can I sign a religious exemption for COVID vaccine requirements? Absolutely. But you don't have to be ordained. Any person can explain what their uh, sincerely held religious beliefs are. And for I employers. Think he, I, think, I think he's saying, can I sign? Can I sign it for people <laughs> like his pastor? Oh, uh, yeah. We've seen some of those, but there are. Um, the Oregon Health Authority has some traps out there. Um, one of the benefits of representing employers, and I've reviewed some of these requests, is I know what Oregon Health Authority is telling employers. And that is, and, and that is, is if there's anything political in the request, uh, you automatically deny it. So uh. there is a very well-respected pastor in this community um, I like him a lot. It was actually my privilege to represent him personally on a, a, uh, a real estate matter. Um, and I reviewed one of his letters yesterday. Great, great, great letter. I agree with everything in it, but um, the Oregon Health Authority would deny it right away. So you have to, you have to write properly and keep the religious or keep the political stuff out of it. It's so you hard do. for some people to do. I'm well, gonna run. But I have a workaround for that, for the the political stuff is in addition to the, the um, exemption or the exemption request. Now they've got me doing it. The request for accommodation. Thank you. In, under civil rights. And Title under Title Seven of the Civil Rights Act of 1964, yeah, 42 USC that. section 2000 E, and following statutes. Um, so we have a list of questions for the employers and there is statutory requirement that for an emergency use authorized vaccine that um, before it's administered to people, if people ask, these questions need to be answered. Well, they're not gonna answer them. No one knows the answers to these questions. We also ask questions about employer liability and a number of other things. So if you want to raise those issues, then the way to do it is to include this list of, of questions that we crafted and the statements of law that are included with, 
with those uh, questions. And that'll be on that form that that's going to be up in a short period of time. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Just 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 fill in the um, just go to the web page the, the that web citation there. Follow the link. There will be a, a little. There'll be a screen up. And they'll say, "Give us your name, first name, last name." We ask for your company. You don't have to fill it in, but it does help because then we know who the employer is that uh, that may be causing the concern. And then give us your email address, and we'll let you know when it's ready. So I'm going to run through some really fast. This is fantastically helpful. Um, I fully agree. Another reason I love joining these. Um, that's so wrong. I wish you were in my pocket. <laughs> I think she means you, Alan. <laughs> and you guys, I can't get through all the other ones, but there's there's more on here. Um, here's the deal. So so again, Alan has put together a program. Um, it's going to be really helpful for people to help explain this. But what you need to do, it's not ready yet. What you need to do right off the bat is go to the page. And I wish I it's way up here. Um, it, there's a link. And I'm going to go find it here. There it is, Rick Dancer. So there's the, the page. You go to that link and just give them your basic information. Then when that's ready, they will send out a form and um, it'll give you the information, the questions, all the stuff that you need to, to get through this thing. And if somebody is looking for an attorney, um, Alan is one, but he also knows people that he could probably send you to that would also help give you other advice. Um, and I'm sure there's a way to get that information to an email to you or something. Part of my public service as a lawyer is making sure that people, uh, helping people get to the right lawyer who can represent him or her. Okay. So, um, Alan, thank you so much. I mean, I think people are, what I love about this tonight is I think there's so many people out there that are just heartbroken, scared, really nervous. Um, their whole life is right in front of them. They've been working at a job. Um, I know a friend of mine, um, actually, he's on here, um, volunteer firefighter, has another business, but, but they need the volunteer fire departments. And how many people are in the volunteer fire departments going to go away because they don't have vaccines? And then who's going to come fight the fire? So I, I, I wish that our leaders, when they came up with these brilliant ideas, um, had the foresight to think ahead at what might come out and what might happen. Um, it's as if legislation is created and there's no money to fund the program. Oh, that happens all the time too. <laughs> it's It blows me away. But I think you really helped put some people's mind at ease a little bit here. Well, I hope so. I hope so. And we're, we are happy to help people. Um, there is, you know, I, I will uh, let people know there because of the cost that we have to incur to make this web, web application available, there will be a fee uh, to, to go in and, and create these documents using this, this system. Um, it's it's, it's going to be $200 and that's, that's less than half an hour with a good lawyer. And we certainly have spent a lot, put a lot more than, a, than half an hour's worth of effort into this uh, system. So with this, for that 200 bucks, what they're gonna, what are they, maybe just, cause I didn't tell me what they're gonna get so they know what this is. Cause to hire, seriously, I, I just had a, a, a thing I had to hire an attorney for. And it was like, you know, close $350, $400 an hour. And that's the, the what we just got not charged here <laughs> was like, you know, a, a huge check. Um, but so what are people gonna get when they get that? What can they do with that, that information? All right, so they are, they are going to receive a religious accommodation request directed to their employer. Based upon the options they select, it will reflect their sincerely held religious beliefs. And it will also include uh, the confidentiality request and a, a brief statement of the law of religious accommodation. Then they also will receive a list of questions to direct to their employers. Now, their employers are not going to answer these questions. They can't answer these questions, but it is a way of letting the employer go, no, hey, wait a minute, there are some uh, serious concerns here, and we need to think carefully before we, uh, before we make a decision here. Okay, so Josh says, what if we spend $200 on this form and then get it denied? Great question. Um, the purpose of these accommodation requests, there's no guarantee, but the purpose is to have people do the right thing so that when the lawsuits uh, run through the court system, 
they are in a position to benefit from it. If they don't request the religious accommodations, uh, then, then uh, they don't really have any arguments in the future. There are a number of lawsuits that have been filed. There's a lawsuit out of Hawaii that a lot of people think may be the first lawsuit to make it to the, to the uh, Supreme Court. Um, we all were disappointed and disheartened by the president's announcement the other day of uh, requiring uh, uh, employers with 100 more employees, require their employees to be, to be vaccinated. Um, the good thing about that, the silver lining, is that Republican states, governors and attorney generals from Republican states, they're going to band together and they're going to file suit against the federal government. And I believe, and my, um, I don't practice before the Supreme Court, but uh, I believe when in certain situations, when states bring lawsuits, they can, their lawsuits can be heard directly by the Supreme Court. They don't have to spend a couple of years going through the federal court system. And I am hoping that we're gonna get some good law here sometime in the future. Well. If people today want to take advantage of that good law, they need to ask for uh, um, a religious accommodation the right way, invoking these laws, and then, then we see what happens. Can the form they're going to get for religious accommodations, can it be used for medical reasons too? No, no. And so, this is all, so this is all for religious? Yeah, I tried to uh, tried to develop a system that would do both, but the problem is, if you're going to do an Americans with Disabilities Act request, not not the language of the Oregon Health Authority, but if you're going to do an ODA request, uh, ADA request, you need to have uh, a letter from a physician that says, okay. Uh, you have these health conditions. I am worried that they could be made worse by the vaccine, or you previously had adverse consequences uh, to receiving this or other vaccines. Therefore, I don't want you to receive it. Um, and I can't, I can't draft, I can't draft a checklist form that's going to cover all the possible situations there. Uh, we can help people with that. We can give them a discounted price, but uh, we we can't do that with the online system. Right. So Great this question. Is Thank you. And, and I'm sorry we can't do that. And this is something Alan called me. We were talking about. It's like, how do you help the largest group of people, the religious accommodations under the Title VII of the Civil Rights Act? <laughs> I've got, it's, it's a mantra now. Um, that was the easy. This is the one that covers the broadest base of people. If you're doing something else, you're probably going to need to hire an attorney to help you with that. Uh, but this is a way you can try this. It's 200 bucks. You're and and um, you're not going to have to. If you hire an attorney, it's going to be more than 200 bucks. <laughs> Plus, it's going to take more than an hour. And I can guarantee you those phone calls add up. So it's a way that we can get this to you guys um, easily. And you don't have to. Hopefully, a lot of you learned from what you heard tonight. Um, what the possibilities are and it gives you a little bit of hope like that. We're not doing this to sell something. Um, it really is to help people um, fight this thing and uh, and get it going. Alan, thank you so much. Um, thank you, Rick. Yeah, no, man, you're a you're a breath of fresh air and it's it's really fun to talk to somebody so damn smart, you know? And, well, and I, I, I put this thing up with Jason because remember my Jason who uses the F word all the time? He had, now he did. He went in and just littered it with a bunch of F words so you guys can all be entertained and Alan, if you want, there's people on here um, who are asking some other questions. I, if you go, if, when you get time, if you want to go back in there and just I give them a little be. answer on that, you can. Okay. Happy, All right. Happy to do so. All right, Alan Thayer. And, and thank, thank you, thank you, Rick. But thank you also to Bucks. Uh, it's it's appreciated. Yeah, it is. All right, Alan. See you later, man. All right, there you go, you guys. This is what we do: cutting edge stuff. We are not going to let anyone own the conversation. We're going to give you as much information. We do listen to you. I heard your emails. I saw what you were upset about. I understand that. And Alan does too. So that's why we came up with this. So it's something and hopefully it can help some of you um, and it's put your mind at ease a little bit. I just think it was a great conversation and I hope that it empowers you to understand that we, the people, are still the power. We just have to move in and keep pushing. And we we got to do this within a system. 
and do it. So it, it's not, you can't just go in and say, well, my boss, of course, I don't want to do this and blah, blah, blah. You, you go in and you fight the way with, with intelligence and with the right information. That's how you win this stuff. We have got to get this, this um, battle on a, on a playing field where we are not screaming at one another, but instead we're factually going in and finding ways to go in and get the things done that we need to do. Is it wrong? Yes. Is it unconstitutional? Yes. But we can say that until we're blue in the face and I'm blue in the face. We, we've got to be more covert and more subversive and we've got to find ways to go in and quit repeating the same thing because we all know that. Instead, we got to find a better way to fight and that's what we're doing. All right. And people, let me warn you, people are, aren't going to like it. Uh, you will have people who won't like you and you will have people who will try to fight you and they will come against you. But at some point in your life, you have to do things for you and your family and you got to do the thing that you feel is right for your family without putting down the people that say, I am not pro-vax or anti-vax. I don't give a shit. If you get a vaccine, I don't give a shit if you don't. But I am anti-mandates when somebody's coming in and going against the Constitution, against what we're supposed to do, and doesn't let people make the same choice about their body, about what they're going to do with their body. That is where I draw a line. And if you don't like my line, you don't have to stay here. Um, but thank you. And again, Alan, thank you. And Bucks Sanitary Service couldn't do it without you. We appreciate you. Okay, tomorrow. What's coming up tomorrow? We're going to be at New Leaf Hyperbaric with Matt McCarl, who was on here earlier. Um, very generous man. Last night we did a story with a little girl and uh, who needs some medical help. And he offered a, a free trip for her to kind of come in and see what it's all about. Uh, we're going to be with Matt. He has a new ultraviolet light. Is really good at healing things. Well, he used to have these things, and he still does, that you can just put on areas. Now he has like a tanning bed that's a red light. So I'm going to go do it first, and then we're going to do a show from his office and kind of show you what it's all about and how it works and how this might be medically helpful to you. And then on Thursday, we're going back to radical again. I'm going to have freedom from vaccine mandates. It's a group, and they're having a big rally this weekend at the Capitol. So Thursday night at 5, I have some of their leaders coming on. They're going to talk with us, uh, tell us what their movement's all about. It'll tie in with what we're doing tonight. Um, and it'll give some of you an opportunity to go to something like this if you want to, or you can just kind of come in for the conversation. All right. Again, Alan Thayer, check out that website, that information, and they will get in contact with you after that. All right, guys, thank you. Share this on your page too, because you never know who's going to be on there watching and Facebook. I pay them a little bit to push stuff out, but they limit me sometimes. It doesn't really stop much because we have a large audience, but it does help when you guys put it out there. Okay. All right. Thanks you. I appreciate your audience ship. <laughs> That's not even a word, but do you like it? I think you are now my audience ship. <laughs>